3: And said, I need somebody strong enough to clear trees and heave bales, yet gentle enough to yean lambs and wean pigs and tend to pink foam pullets who will stop his mower for an hour to splint the broken leg of a meadow lark. So God made a farmer.
1: Hello and welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. I'm your host, Harold Thornbrough, and this is episode 115. February 18th 2019 and today we're going to talk about all the dirt on living the good life with author Kirsten Lee Nielsen and uh, really we got a whole bunch of stuff for you today on this show we're going to quite the variety today but uh, we're going to be having a chat with her about her book so you want to be a homesteader all the dirt on living the good life but before we get into that how about some homestead updates Continuing to uh, do the ear mite treatments on our uh, buck rabbit. He's looking a lot better. And uh, it's here. It's finally arrived. Today, I officially started the tomatoes and the peppers from seed for the spring garden. So I'm pretty excited about that. I actually started the onions uh, from seed a couple weeks ago, and they're doing good. I actually just started them in the greenhouse. And I'll be starting the, um, it's a little cool in the greenhouse at night. For the uh, tomatoes and the peppers, I think so. I think I'm going to leave them in the uh, in the house for a couple weeks before I take them out there, and, and you know, bring them in if I have to if it gets uh, cold anymore. But yeah, I'm ready. I'm I'm ready to get this thing rolling. <laughs> I know it's a little early yet. We're really about uh, 11 12 weeks before we can really plant into the ground. But I want a really good start on my tomatoes and peppers so I can have some pretty early this year. So I want to get those going at least. So that's what's going on on the uh, small town homestead this week. I want to start uh, doing the uh, in the news segment again, homesteading in the news. And I have a couple um, news segments for you. I wanted to um, I wanted to uh, talk about a couple articles I ran across that I think are really, really good, um, both positive, um, but positive things for homesteading. And the first one's titled a return to a simpler, healthier way of life. Homesteading expands in the Nashville area, and uh, this article features a uh, a couple or a family rather that are running a, a farm, uh, Stony Creek Farm in um, uh, Franklin, Tennessee. So uh, they're they're doing lots of cool stuff. They're te- having classes. I'll put a link to their uh, their website in the show notes. Uh, actually, I'll just play a little uh, clip. I'll play just a little bit of the uh, – there's an audio that goes along with this article or a little video. I'll play a little bit of the audio from that, about a minute or so of that, and you can check that out.
3: We actually have, because we're both kind of from the corporate world, uh, we, so we developed a mission statement once we found out what it was <laughs> that we wanted to do. And the mission statement of Stony Creek Farm is to teach people how to grow their own healthy food Without pesticides and how to use their sustainable resources wisely and that's the mission of our farm and that's everything revolves around that so there's a huge interest in homesteading and being able to have a freer lifestyle where you're not dependent so much on grocery stores you can grow your own healthy food without pesticides and, and you don't have to depend so much on grocery stores and the money that it takes because uh, as you've seen over the last few years well, really over the last 10 years, we've seen a lot of change in expense um, in grocery stores.
1: So you can see they have a lot going on, uh, pretty exciting stuff. I mean, I, I, I love stories like this. I just love it when you know, homesteading families are taking the initiative to, um, to help others get started uh, to promote the homesteading lifestyle and uh, to teach others uh, how to do it. And I'll put a link to their website, Stony Creek Farm, in the show notes and that article as well. So go check that out. Really good stuff. The other article I wanted to uh, talk about uh, was titled Urban Homesteading Series Helps Bring Nature Home. And this one is from uh, the progressive.com. And um, it was from uh, the Chilliwack Progress in British Columbia. And um, they're, uh, it's the Chilliwack li- Library. Uh, programs feature soap making macrame and zero waste living and it's a, a homesteader from little homestead in the valley and i'll put their uh website link in the show notes as well and they're just teaching lots of cool stuff and you know i think that's great that they're 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 taking advantage of the library there to help others Uh, get into homesteading and uh, take on some certain skills talking about, you know, natural homemade soaps. I mean, that's awesome. You know, that they're, they're, they're taking the initiative to step up and do that that they're concerned about uh, zero waste living and they're trying to promote that and other things as well. So I think that's cool. I'd like to see a whole lot more uh, cities uh, doing that a lot more individuals taking that opportunity to do that and really making the most out of that. um, The libraries for, for, promoting homesteading. I think it's really cool. And it's urban homesteading too. I always find that's really cool that folks are taking that initiative with uh, urban homesteading. Hey y'all, let me tell you about a great company I really believe in. And that company is New Society Publishers. Here's why I love this company. Listen to a few things they have in their mission statement. New Society Publishers has been publishing books to build a new society for over 30 years. They are an activist, solutions-oriented publisher focused on bringing new tools for a world of change. New Society Publishers' mission is to publish books that contribute in fundamental ways to building an ecologically sustainable and just society, and to do so with the least possible impact on the environment in a manner that models this vision. Uh, Their books are packed with ideas on the cutting edge, analysis that's hard to find, inspiration for daily struggle and practical tools to change the world new society publishers work speaks to individuals and and organizations interested in changing their lives so that they may change the world for the better Uh, let me tell you folks that's a mission statement i can get behind and support Uh, also they have partnered with me to offer a 25 percent discount on their book titles for those in our membership if you want to learn more about them and their mission or see their awesome inventory of books just go to newsociety.com Well, let's just jump on into our main topic for today, and that's all the dirt on living the good life with author Kirsten Lee Nielsen. Um, Kirsten is a writer and a farmer. From mid-coast Maine, and after starting a small hobby homestead, her endeavors quickly grew to encompass geese, goats, chickens, bees, ducks, and extensive vegetable and herb garden. And as you'll hear, when you start getting all those things, you have to have a little bit more property. She just, you know, she needed more room. And we'll talk a little bit about that uh, in the uh, the interview. And uh, she was always intrigued by self-sufficiency and working with her hands. Kirsten enjoys sharing her experiences and the lessons of life on the farm uh, for publications, uh, such as Grit, Mother Earth News, Backyard Poultry, and HobbyFarms.com. So she's, she's been out there you know, promoting this, uh, this lifestyle, this self-sufficiency lifestyle, for quite a while. Uh, Kirsten's first book, A Modern Homesteader's Guide to Keeping Geese, was released in October of 20, uh, 2017. And her second title... So You Want to Be a Modern Homesteader, All the Dirt on Living the Good Life was released in December of 2018. So that was just real recent here, and that's what we're mostly going to talk to her about today. So let's just jump right into that conversation. I know you're going to love it uh, with, uh, with Kirsten. Kirsten, welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast.
0: Uh, thank you. Hello. Thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: It's a pleasure. Uh, now you've written a couple books, and most recently you wrote uh, one titled "So You Want to Be a Modern Homesteader: All the Dirt on Living the Good Life." Now, that sounds like a controversial title. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, well, I don't know if it's quite all the dirt, but I did try to, to fit in <laughs> as, as much as I could there, and it's um, you know certainly meant for it's well it's meant for all. Different types of folks, but especially for people who are trained by uh, living more self-sufficiently, maybe thinking about moving to the country or more rural lifestyle, and uh, sort of trying to give them an idea of the realities of all the aspects of it, instead of uh, just the good stuff, um, or you know, just the just the animals or something like that. It's trying to encompass, you know, what community is like out here, what it's like heating with wood. Um, so on and so forth, all the different aspects and, and realities of it—the good, the good, the bad, and the ugly, as they say. <laughs>
1: well, that, that sounds like that's really well needed because uh, there's a lot of fluff out there that make it look better than it is sometimes. I mean, it's great. I think you know, homesteading <laughs> is great, but yeah, it's not—it's not all uh, roses, is it? <laughs>
0: Uh, certainly yeah no there's 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 certainly the, the fair share of hardships and um trying to be realistic about that and especially for people you know who haven't uh you know haven't maybe had animals before things things like that trying to give a you know a, a nice realistic look of everything that i love about it and why you know why this is how i've chosen to to live my life but at the same time you know trying to be realistic at the same time
1: sure sure Mm -hmm. well now I guess I just want to back up a little bit and you know I'm curious how you got to be a modern homesteader I mean is this I mean was this something you had to learn the hard way that it wasn't all roses and 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 (laughs) great or is this did you raise this way or is this something kind of new for you too
0: yeah, it was uh, a little bit of both. So I, um, I was raised, uh, my parents had an extensive vegetable garden and they had definitely both ended up where they were through kind of a journey of going back to the land over by the time I, I came around, um, we were not living quite as, as rurally as they had been previously, but still, you know, very much in connection with uh, with the land and understanding, you know, where food comes from, um, you know, that sort of lifestyle elements of that for sure. But I definitely got away from that as a, as a teenager mm-hmm. and into when I was in college. And, um, when I ended up, my husband and I were living in a suburb just outside of Bath, Maine, um, we had about an acre, I think maybe an acre and a half, and we started with a vegetable garden, and we got a, a flock of chickens, um, small flock, like four or five. And then um, we added geese, which we did somewhat on a whim. My husband's son actually asked if we could get a couple of geese, and so we got a couple goslings. Uh, we really loved them. Um, we loved how the geese would imprint, and so they follow us around, and mm. they were just, you know, really dedicated friends. Um, we started growing that flock of geese, and actually, my first book was uh, the Modern Homesteader's Guide to Keeping Geese. So yeah. you can see it. the geese definitely became a big part of my life. <laughs> um, but because of the geese, we quickly outgrew the uh, the property that we had, and we'd already talked about moving to a more rural location. But the geese kind of, you know, lit the fire under us that we, you know, needed to, to make a change. Um, so we found. Uh, uh, we found this property in Liberty, Maine, which is uh, very rural, um, and the place that we found was 93 acres, mm. uh, which had been in the same family for uh, about 200 years, but then about 20-30 years ago had been more or less abandoned. And so the house and the barn were almost like a time capsule; like they still had the uh, uh, like the Homework on the kitchen table kind of a thing it was really quite incredible. <laughs> yeah. um, and the fields were in, um, the fields were in uh, definitely sort of like, you know, overgrown, but still at a point that we could bring them back um, with sort of our hands and, and a chainsaw instead of having to, you know, bring them heavy equipment. Yeah. So the property was like right at the perfect point that we could still work with it, but it was also affordable and um, so we, we embarked on the journey.
1: <laughs> well, how different was that for you from that acre, acre and a half to moving to a, to a property that size? Because that's a huge difference.
0: <laughs> it was a huge difference. It was definitely a difference that I was uh, ready for and looking forward to, although there are certainly elements about it that I hadn't considered. But a large part of, besides the geese, a large part of why we wanted to move was uh, Privacy was, you know, we had neighbors on three sides who definitely sort of just looked into our house. (laughs) Uh Um, And so being in a rural spot was really important and being in a place where we could sort of do our own thing and have our animals without worrying about them bothering anybody or making too much noise. Uh Um, So we wanted to be able to expand in terms of growing crops and getting, you know, larger herds of animals, but we also just wanted the land around us for for privacy. So sometimes it's startlingly quiet. (laughs) You can feel a little isolated, but overall, um, I I mostly think that, uh, you know, mostly it was a good transition, and I was happy that it was that quiet.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, what kind of animals are you raising now? I mean, you obviously moved on from just chickens and Mm -hmm. geese. You went on to some bigger animals probably?
0: Yes, yeah. So at the moment, we have – our, our geese have grown to two dozen, so we have quite a small Um We have chickens, so we have guinea fowl as well, which we use to keep uh, keep the ticks down around here. Um, and then we have a herd of nine goats at the moment, most of which have been bred, so we have quite a quite a few more goats. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have a livestock guardian dog for the goats, and then our latest addition hasn't arrived quite yet. But in April, we are getting uh, some pigs. And the pigs are – we've always kind of wanted pigs and talked about it, but we have an area that had been logged, so there's a lot of, like, large pigs us to Mm -hmm. find. So we're putting the pigs in there mostly to to clear our systems and and be able to turn that back to pasture as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, you definitely drove your neighbors crazy with those guineas and those goats probably both.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yeah. We certainly – yeah, we opted
1: for some of the noisier animals. It must be said. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. yeah. So obviously, you know, it's like you say, it's not, um, it's not all great. I mean, there are challenges. There is a little dirt on living the good life. So, what kind of uh, <laughs> what kind of challenges are there in, in living that rural life that you would bring out and say this is something you need to know before you you get into this?
0: Hmm. I think if you're not used to living in the country, a lot of the Sort of unthought of realities um, might seem obvious to somebody who has grown up or or lived in the country for a long time, um, but there's things like just uh, planning, planning your week and planning if you do go to the grocery store or, or shopping for any reason, like how far of a trip that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the fact that all those sorts of things, you know, your animals, grain and, and, you know, all those logistical things need to be planned right. into the week because it's actually a big chunk out of your day. Um, I also was very surprised in in moving here. Um, like I said, at our old property, we had neighbors on all sides. And if we were in more close, uh, like physical proximity to other people but here a relationship with our neighbors is is closer um they actually do stop by when they're driving by they stop by to chat and see uh what's going on and that uh was definitely a surprise and at first i don't think i was very happy about it <laughs> Like <I> said, <laughs> privacy was the primary reason but um the more i've gotten used to it and you get to know the people uh the more you realize that that's also like a A support network, like having people who are checking in on you, and having people like emergency services, for example, are are quite far away. So having people you know you can Mm -hmm. can count on just down the road, but definitely the like fact that people just stop by to say hi (laughs) was a surprise (laughs) for me.
1: Yeah, Um, isn't that funny? How though that they further they're actually further away, but in a lot of ways you become closer to them. Yeah, it's kind of like the old good good fences make great neighbors uh, saying.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. Um, and then for us personally, which depending on your situation, if you're, you know, going rural, um, for us personally, there were a lot of things that we did without and we sort of made a plan. We knew um, that the animals and the livestock were kind of the primary focus of the first couple of years that we were here. Um, last year, we focused on the house a bit more, and going forward, we're, we're looking at doing more with the fields and, and putting in some orchards. Mm-hmm. But the first couple of years, it was really about growing, uh, growing the animals, and particularly the goats were, were a primary focus. But that meant that all of our time and our resources were going into, uh, the barn and, uh, and the fields, the pasture space. And because of that, you know, we didn't do anything with the house. So we were using a, a, a bucket as a composting toilet and we had an outdoor shower in mm. the summer. Um, and in the winter we just didn't have showers, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, those sorts of things, we, it wasn't a surprise for us. We knew it going in, but, um, it was, uh, Some things are certainly more difficult to live with than you think they are. The idea of it, like, yeah, I can do that. But, you know, the reality of it is a little tougher. And some of those things, you know, not everybody is going to want to make those compromises. So knowing where your priorities are is is absolutely important before you sort of jump in with both feet.
1: Sure, yeah. Well you say you, you're you're this uh your kind of next steps or you wanting to work on the, the land a little bit more and plant orchards and things mm-hmm. like that. I I think I read on your website something that you're uh how to focus on permaculture. Is that something you figure to play a huge part yeah. in your property? Yeah. Yeah.
3: Uh
0: permaculture is a big part, certainly in the animals on our property. Um mm. the orchards it's uh we're looking at orchards and possibly vineyards as well, um, sort of mixing mixing a few different things. We don't want to, you know, jump all in on any any one plant, but definitely apples um, yeah. and also elderberries is something we're looking at a lot. Uh, we want to do species that are native to Maine as much as possible, because um, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, makes a big difference in their ability to thrive here. Sure. But the permaculture aspect of it really comes into play for us with the animals, Um Because every animal serves a purpose on the farm, even if it isn't, like, uh, directly that we're going to just eat them. They have, uh, you know, a lot of other, (laughs) other useful qualities. So, for example, we decided on goats. Our goats are dairy goats. So the end product, I guess you could say, is milk. But um, we decided on them because we have a lot of stone walls that are kind of overgrown with brambles, so we can put goats on sections of those walls and get them cleared away. Um, Like I I said, with the pigs, largely they're coming in um, to clear out these stumps. The guineas are, you know, helping with uh, tick control. And the geese, the helpful aspects of those um, include their fantastic guardians for both our chickens and our property in general. They're intimidating to a lot of predators, but even if they don't directly chase something away, they sound a really loud alarm so that I can <laughs> understand. Um, plus, we also uh, get eggs from the geese, so that's useful. You know, that's helpful as well. But definitely, primarily as like alarm bells and, and guard animals. So everybody yeah. kind of hold their own weight just by doing what they do naturally
1: anyways that's something i really love about about permaculture is just the integration mm-hmm. of all things working together to you know to bring about the purpose and you know that's something we even try to implement on our property a lot you know just mm-hmm. every little thing people don't think about all those little things like you said the tick control and and just these little right. things here and there and it all works together to to really carry out the function of your homestead so i think that's right. really great yeah.
0: No, it's incredible, and I hate to say that we got the guineas uh, this past and we didn't see a single tip all summer. So they wow, do their job yeah. well. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's why yeah. I hear. You know, I'm, I remember when we were uh, when I was a kid, we had uh, guineas, and I just remember how loud they were. <laughs> that's the one thing I remember <laughs> they, about them more than anything. They were crazy loud.
0: Yeah, they are incredibly loud. Although I have heard, and then we have about uh, two dozen here, and um, I have heard that that's actually like uh, the right number. If you will, to have because mm-hmm. a smaller number they're always looking for more because they have certain roles to fill in the flock. So, ironically, the more you have, the quieter they are. Yeah, at least that's what I've heard. I haven't had less, so
1: <laughs> you got and you've got the property, they probably roam all over that's the place true. and yeah, yeah, get they don't bother us,
0: they don't bother anybody else, <laughs> right?
1: Right? Well, you you put a huge focus in your book and even on your website, I've read some things about about what a modern homesteader is. Now, that's something I've talked about a lot on this on this yeah. podcast and, you know, I've done whole podcast episodes on what that is. What's your definition of a modern homesteader?
0: Yeah, so, how are you? in the introduction of the book, I define a uh, homesteader as someone who has to live self-reliantly um, mm-hmm. and I talk a lot about when I talk about the book and also in the book itself about how any steps toward self-reliance really do count. So, even if you, you know, aren't going country if you will um is still if you you know put a couple of tomato plants in your backyard mm-hmm. you're still trying to you know do something uh, you know to be more self-sufficient um but homesteading is such an interesting and such a broad term you know i know homesteaders yeah. uh who self-identify that way who are like there's people who's totally off grid but they also buy all their groceries or there's yeah. people who make everything themselves but they're totally on the grid <laughs> yeah. or uh um, You know, doing everything you can completely by hand or people who get excited about their new tractor and equipment. So it's like all all ranges. And I think it does absolutely all count. Like, I don't I don't want to eliminate any of those groups uh, because they're all sort of striving towards the goal of, Mm -hmm. uh, you you know, providing more for themselves so i think it's it's all good and i think the end goal is is being as self-reliant as possible and also doing it in a way that that you enjoy i think the joy of it is very important in sustaining it it's it's good to have the goal of being self-reliant um but there have to be things about it that jazz you so that on the days when it seems like too much, you're still, you know, happy to be here.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I talk to a lot of uh, homesteaders who who actually uh, seem to have uh, trouble calling themselves a homesteader. That, Well, I'm only uh-huh. gardening. I'm only raising a couple things. I'm only, you know, <laughs> you know, canning my food. I don't know if I'm a homesteader or not. I'm like, yeah, right. I, I think I'd probably call yes, you a homesteader. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
2: absolutely.
0: No, I definitely think that counts. Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Well, I, yeah, I would imagine that, yeah, that there is a lot of people in that think that, you know, that they just got this number in their head. Well, I got to have a hundred acres, and I got to be, you know, uh-huh. completely, you know, self sufficient and, and and sustainable, or else it just doesn't count. And and then again, there's people probably that just have a couple tomato plants that, right. you know, I don't know, or that's probably just a gardener at that point. But if you're taking other steps towards, you mm-hmm. know, uh, building some some self-sufficiency in your life, some self-reliance into your life, then, yeah, I would mm-hmm. absolutely. I agree with that yeah.
0: 100%. And often it's not if you just start with a couple tomato plants. It, it usually grows, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: no, nobody stops <laughs> with yeah. just a couple plants.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's right. contagious as can be, <laughs> yeah.
1: isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, I imagine you get asked quite a bit, uh, from folks who are interested in this kind of lifestyle, you know, what, what's it take to get started? What do I need to do? I mean, what kind of advice do you have for folks like that?
0: Yeah. I mean, that is the the toughest aspect. And it's definitely the, the question that I receive the most is like where to begin or how do I begin on a budget? Um, and unfortunately there isn't any one answer. It's very much, uh, individually based. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, uh, Primarily deciding like what what's most important to you, making sort of lists of you know what you want to become self reliant mm. in first. Uh, yeah. Do you want to start with the garden? Do you want to start with the animals? Um, and what we've done here that has worked very well for us is sort of and it helps that Maine is very seasonal, so we kind of work mostly in the summers and plan a lot in the winters. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know this summer we're focused on the goats and we're going to do you know we're going to get their pasture space done we're going to get the milking area done um and writing that down and knowing that that is our focus for that year and yes that means that we moved it to um, you know something else perhaps that year maybe the vegetable garden will be a little bit on the back burner but we know that we're doing that for a reason we haven't just been drafted it's you know, we're focusing on this, and we want to get it all the way done, and then move on to the next thing. And that helps me mentally not feel like I'm leaving something behind, right. um, or feel guilty for something that I, you know, <laughs> haven't haven't completed. So breaking it off into chunks like that, and also long term, it helps you feel, feel like you know I won't get it all done this year, but if I look at you know what I've got denoted for each summer then in five years oh actually I, I will have a lot of this done and i won't be you know struggling to keep up quite as much or at least that's the goal so yeah sure. long-term goal uh, a lot of planning <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. so
1: many it's so easy to just take on too much too fast and mm-hmm. and just uh, get overwhelmed really and and i mm-hmm. you know I, we're probably all homesteaders are probably guilty of that. We just, we want it, we want it now, but you really do have oh, to try yeah. to limit yourself, and just take on one, maybe two things at a time, and just kind of take slow yeah. steps, and, and over the years, kind of build it, and build it, and build it, until it becomes what you want it to be.
0: Yeah, and I can't say, I mean, I have to admit, that's my advice, and that's my goal. Every summer, I definitely am overwhelmed. Yeah, <laughs> I definitely me too. Take on too much, <laughs> But I still, at the end of the summer, feel better thinking, you know, oh, well, I took on too much, so I didn't do that one thing, but. I'll do it next year. So okay. you can't, yeah. Don't don't give up as well. I
1: guess. <laughs> so listeners, do what we say, not what we do.
0: <laughs> right. Exactly. Yes.
1: Right. Yeah, it is easy to do that. Well, I think it sounds like you got a lot of great information in your book that would really help folks who are, especially just getting started, probably more than anything, mm-hmm. and and early people who are early in the in the in the uh, the journey. And uh, so I think it'd be a really good book for them to get their hands on.
0: Yeah, and it is meant, it's, a, you know, something of, I guess, a, a primer might be the right word, like it, mm-hmm. it does, it covers a lot, it doesn't go hugely into depth on um, any one thing or another, but at the end of each chapter, there is also a little uh, further reading section, so mm-hmm. if, you know, one thing in the book or, or something else really catches your attention and you want to, you know, pursue Pig farming or something like that. There, there's a book at the end of the chapter that'll delve more into that as Great. well. So,
2: Great.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, let folks know where they can uh, they can check out your book, check out what you're doing, mm-hmm. and all that stuff.
0: Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So um, my book and my blog, which is sort of a you know play by play of farm life here, is at HostileValleyLiving.com. com um and i'm also on instagram and i do a lot of like little book excerpts and mm. uh tips and tricks kind of a thing on instagram and that's also hostel valley living h o s t i l e so like
1: angry i <laughs> got it yeah sure well that's great well we'll definitely uh put those links in the uh, show notes and uh i encourage people to go check it out like i said i went over and jumped on there earlier today and was checking things out you got a great blog and uh oh, thank you. I, I gotta i gotta get this book it looks really interesting right. I'm, I'm really uh i want to i want to know about all the dirt on living the Good- right <laughs> right yeah it looks like a great book i so, uh, yeah, I definitely encourage folks to check it out and to check out all the things you're doing. It sounds like you got a great place there with some great big plans, and you'll probably be writing a book pretty soon on a guide, a homesteader's guide to uh, keeping pigs and all kinds of other mm-hmm. stuff probably pretty soon. <laughs> I,
0: I hope so. I think there's a, a lot of big adventures down the line, and I do love sharing what, uh, what I learned, and I hope it's helpful. So uh, I'll definitely be, be writing more.
1: <laughs> well, good. Well, look, for maybe, uh, maybe you write another book. You can come back on and tell us about that one
0: absolutely
1: i hope so well thanks for, for thanks for joining me today
0: thank you thanks for having
1: me all right great stuff from kirsten there and i will have her website in the uh the show notes as well as links to her two books so check those out if you're interested and um i just think she's you know a great lady i love her heart for wanting to share uh the homesteading lifestyle and, uh, you know, even in, in book form and, and on her website and such in and her, and her Instagram page and all that. So go check her stuff out. Great, great interview. Thanks for coming on, Kirsten. Also, we have a new segment, uh, Homestead Recipe of the Week. I talked a little bit about this last week that you can send in. I'm looking for folks to send in their favorite homestead recipes. And this week's recipe comes in from uh, Ben, and uh, he shares with us how he makes fermented carrots. So take it away, Ben.
2: My name is Ben Panji, and I am the host of the Homesteads and Homeschools podcast. You can check out my interview that I did with Harold um, at homesteadsandhomeschools.com slash 003. So I wanted to share today a recipe that I've come to really enjoy. It's not an exact recipe, but it is what it is. One of my favorite things to do, uh, is to experiment with fermenting, uh, vegetables. And as you can imagine, some come out really good and some not so much. One of the ones that I really enjoy, uh, fermenting is carrots. You know, we, we always have lots of carrots and there's only so much room in the freezer and, uh, I don't really like canned carrots. So it leaves me with a handful of carrots to, to play around with and, um, Fermenting them is is the way to go. Uh, so you get, you get yourself a, a wide mouth mason jar, um, and you you throw in your your spices. I really like hot pepper, crushed red pepper, and and some garlic cloves. Toss them in there. Mix myself up some brine about uh, one tablespoon to one cup of water. And I you know I cut my I, I wash my carrots uh, fairly well and make sure there's no dirt on there, and uh, cut them up halfway um, into lengths. And maybe sometimes in quarters, depending on how how big the carrot is, and then jam them in to your mason jar, uh, right on top of the the pepper and the garlic. Carrots will float, but if you jam them in tight enough, the the pressure should keep them uh, submerged. So once you have them in there, you, you know you, you dump your water on top. As I said, you, you make sure make sure that they are submerged. Make sure that they are underwater. Um, you don't want the oxygen getting in there and and contaminating things uh, with with airborne particulate. If you have a lid, that's probably ideal. Fermentation will create uh, carbon dioxide, and that's heavier than air, so it will sit on top. But if you have a lid, it will prevent uh, any little breezes, any winds, any dust from settling uh, through that carbon dioxide through that that plug and uh, and contaminating your carrots. Now, I don't know exactly how long um, to tell you to leave them in for. I uh, depending on the weather, you know, the ambient temperatures. If it's warmer outside, they're going to ferment faster. If it's colder outside, they're going to ferment slower. Uh, I usually go with anywhere between three to five days, keep an eye on them, watch as the bubbles start coming. Um, you know, kind of look like you're, uh, like a seltzer or a soda in a, in a jar, not quite as many bubbles, but you know, you, you see little bubbles coming up here and there and, uh, and you can always sample them, you know, get yourself a, a clean fork and, uh, stab one out and, um, and give them give them a taste, and you can judge it that way. Uh, once they're they're fermented to the point where you want them fermented, uh, throw them in the fridge, and that that pretty much slows it down. But uh, yeah, you got yourself some nice spicy carrot pickles. Uh, they're delicious, and uh, they they really are a tasty snack in the uh, summertime. So that's my recipe: um, lacto fermented carrots. Uh, try it this year. Your kids probably. Won't enjoy it any more than uh, canned carrots, but you may. So give it a shot, and who knows, you might uh, you might find something you really love, or uh, you might have just made yourself a, a mason jar full of chicken feed. Who
1: knows? You gotta try it. All right. Thanks. Well, as you heard Ben mention, I was actually on his podcast. He just started a podcast a few weeks ago, and uh, I was uh, I think the third podcast uh, he done. And um, I'll put a link to that episode where uh, he and I had a chat about my homesteading journey and his website also. So go check that stuff out and uh, try some fermented carrots. Those sound great. I mean, we make some fermented carrots. And something he talked about was, was keeping the, uh, the carrots down in the, underneath the, the brine. Um, they actually make little weights uh, for that that you can, like, the, the, when you put the lid on, it will press the uh, stuff below The uh, When you're fermenting, it'll press it below the brine and make sure it stays there and doesn't float up. Because once you start pulling, you know, he said pull one out, test it. Well, as soon as you pull one or two out, they're going to loosen up. They're going to start floating, like he said. Um, But they actually have some weights for that. I'll tell you what, I'll put a link to those weights uh, that you can put in, like, mason jars that hold stuff in the brine uh, for an Amazon link for for those. So you can check out what I'm talking about there. But you can use anything that's sterile. I mean, I've used, like, uh, small um like dishes like that'll fit down inside there like little things like that some porcelain thing that's really good and clean anything but if you have some of those weights it makes the job a lot easier so thanks ben for uh, for sharing that recipe with us it just, it's great you can send in your favorite homestead recipe as well if you'd like to send in an audio recording uh we'd love to have it and add it to a, the podcast we want to add one a week to the podcast if we can and here's how you might do that uh, most cell phones usually have a recording app installed so that you could use i mean just to keep it simple and you just you know give us your name if you have something you want to promote like a website or a facebook page you can do that say this is uh so and so from so and so and and a recipe i like and want to share with you today is and then just give us that recipe and uh you know what maybe you don't have exact measurements because i'm telling you in my house a handful of dash and a pinch are official measurements so if that's what you got to do to say here's my recipe that's fine. We'll take it. Um, but try to keep that recording between one and five minutes. And believe me, it doesn't have to be perfect. Uh, I don't worry about perfect on this podcast. As you all know, we're, we're, we're friends having a conversation. So you send in your, uh, your, uh, recipe and we'd love to have it. And when you're done recording it and you're satisfied, and, and you know, just email it to me at, sthomestead at gmail.com and I'll add it to a future episode. And if you have a website or Facebook page for your homestead, I'll also add links to that in the show notes, so it's a good way to promote what you got going on, though. So look forward to getting more and more recipes. I have one more uh, right now for the next episode, but then after that, we don't have any, so go ahead and send those in. Love to have them. I'm also going to reintroduce the, uh, the listener question uh, back into the show. Um, now, I was making whole shows out of listener questions i'm not going to do that i want to keep them short and simple but i will take your questions uh, for the uh, for the shows so now this week's question comes in from molly uh, she sent me this email she said hi harold i discovered your podcast a few weeks ago and i've enjoyed listening to your take on homesteading in general especially on a small scale uh, with small acreage And she goes on to say, I just listened to your episode on homesteading on a temporary property. That was episode 101, if anyone wants to check that out, uh, which had some really good ideas. I was wondering if you had any tips or ideas for learning homesteading skills with no property. Now, when when I first started reading this, I'm thinking... Apartment, but that's not what she's talking about here. You'll hear in her rest of her uh, question here. Uh, For a little background on me, I grew up with a family that did some basic homesteading, huge gardens, some livestock, canning, etc. I felt like I've been trying to get back to that point ever since I left home. For three years, I lived in Arkansas and did square foot gardening in raised beds, helped process animals with neighbors, learned to tan hides, discovered fermenting, and the list goes on. Even at an apartment, I had several outlets and learned a lot. For the past year, I've been living on the road. My job as an insurance adjuster does not allow me to stay in one area for longer than a month at a time. It also makes for some very long uh, hours sometimes. Currently, I brew kombucha and I'm trying to ferment veggies regularly, uh, but lately I've been a bit frustrated because I can't do a lot of what I would like. My hope is to get a remote position so I'm not traveling quite so much, but nothing is possible for at least another year so if you have any advice for people and transient lifestyles i'd love to hear them uh, again i enjoy your show and look forward to listening more thanks so much molly well molly thanks for the question it's a great question and You know, congratulations on all the things you have done. I mean, it sounds like you've took some huge steps, even when you were living in an apartment. I mean, you were processing animals and and square foot gardening and raised beds and learned to tan hides and fermenting. I mean, that's huge. And you're making kombucha right now and trying to ferment some veggies on the road. I mean, that's pretty awesome, I think. Um, But I do have a couple ideas of things for your unique situation because you're in what I would consider a very unique situation, you have some unique opportunities, I think. Um, I don't know if you're traveling like all over the United States, but it sounds like you're you're in quite a few different places, uh, maybe different zones, you know, different climates, just completely different situation from time to time. Uh, I think it's a great opportunity to, out, to uh, hone your outdoor skills for foraging, perhaps fishing in your downtime. I mean, you're getting some days off here and there. Um, you know, you could do a lot of fishing. You can get to know – the country get to know the areas of where you're at and 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 really and i think foraging would be really really huge and helpful and you could really develop some serious skills in that i also think you're in a great position possibly for visiting farms wherever you're at when you do have some time off uh, there are farms that are kind of open to visitors now a lot of times you have to contact you want to probably contact them ahead of time and uh, see if you can come hang out see how they do things learn a few things you know uh Just check out setups and and see what they're doing. And it's just amazing how much you can learn doing that. And you might even be able to help out and do some things. They might just let you jump in, get some hands-on experience. Um, and so you might be asking, okay, how do I find farms to do that? Well, um, if you go to localharvest.org, I'll put a link in the, uh, in the show notes, they have a page for organic farms that you can visit. You just type in a zip code and it gives you a listing of farms in that area that you can contact and then perhaps go visit. So, and like I said, I'll put the link in the show notes for that. And I think that's a great place to start. There might even be some other resources out there for, for visiting organic farms, um, that you can go and just check out what they're doing. And, and just maybe, maybe help, maybe not, maybe just observe. And that's pretty cool too, because you can learn a lot doing that. So I think you have a unique opportunity moving around from place to place. And especially because you're staying in places, say a month, you might be able to go to the same farm two or three times, really get some, you know, hands-on experience on something. Maybe they're not doing this week or today, but they might be doing in a week or two. And it just opens up some opportunities for you. Uh, it also might be a great time to take an online herbal remedies course if that's something that you're interested in. Um, sounds like you've acquired a lot of good homesteading skills, but I think, I think learning a lot about herbal medication, herbal remedies is a good skill to have. And it could be a really good time for you to be honing that skill and learning some things. Perhaps even take an online permaculture design course. There are a few out there for online study. Uh, it could be a great benefit when it does come time to set up your homestead. I'll tell you, a few years ago, homesteading absolutely changed my life. And then a couple years after that, permaculture changed my homestead in a huge way. So permaculture is is, is a real blessing uh, to a homestead. Even if you don't incorporate all the principles of permaculture, um, just having that knowledge can really open your mind up to a lot of possibilities. So, you know, it's a great time to take an online permaculture design course. So those are just a few simple ideas I have for you that you might consider. Um, if there's something more specific you'd want to know, you can send me another email and we'll try to hone it down a little bit more. But uh, those were just some thoughts that came to my mind um, that you might be able to do. Because, you know, some people might actually wish they were in a position like yours so they could take that time to really research and look and study. And, and do some of the things. Now you say you're working long hours. I'm hoping you're not working like seven days a week, 12 hours a day where you don't even have time to visit and forage and do all the things I talked about, but I hope you have some time for that. So you can do a few things like that. And you know what? And then maybe in a year, uh, you'll be a lot more better prepared to really get started doing, taking the next steps. In your homestead. So, hope that helps you and gives you a few ideas. If uh, you want to submit a question for the podcast, you can send your questions to ask at smalltownhomestead.com or you can call or text in your questions to our voicemail at 765. 765- 203-1949 and you can submit questions as often as you like. I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to add one to, to every show. And some of you have have sent questions in the past I never got to. I'm gonna look back through some old emails and try to drag up. If I don't get to yours soon, you might resend that. If you sent one that I didn't get to, maybe I skipped over it and just didn't didn't catch it. Uh, but I definitely would like to start adding this segment back to the uh, the show. So I hope you enjoyed the the kind of the variety of today's show, you know, I want to, I definitely want to get back to a little bit longer show, a little bit more variety, having you guys involved a little bit more in the making of the show, you know, having recordings and things like that. So please be involved. I think it'll just make it better in every way. If uh, you enjoy this podcast, uh, it's actually made possible by, uh, those who help support us you can do that by joining our homestead forum membership community you can learn more about the benefits of membership by clicking on become a member at smalltownhomestead.com in the menu there and uh, find out about all the great benefits of that. I mean, you get extra bonus podcasts. You have videos. Um, there's a forum there where you can have, uh, conversations with other homesteaders and including me. Uh, we have discounts to, uh, to some things you'd be buying as a homesteader. Anyway, uh, we have discounts for comfrey. We have discounts for some courses like gardening courses and canning courses and things like that. Uh, we have discounts on books. We have a lot of great stuff in there that you can, you can check out. And, uh, when you become a member. Member of the Homestead Forum membership community, so if you want to support us, it's a great way to do it. Uh, it's about like you'd buy me a cup of coffee once a week for doing a podcast. It's about the the kind of money we're talking about here. So it's not expensive, but it goes a long way to helping me put this podcast out and paying for everything that I need to do. Uh, You can also support us by shopping through Amazon using our affiliate link. Uh, You can just go to the show notes there and you can see a link for that on how to uh, support us that way. It doesn't cost you anything if you're buying things from Amazon anyway if you start with that link. We also are supported uh, by those who share this podcast with others. The more this podcast grows uh, and the better it does, then, uh, of course, that that makes this podcast possible. And we're also supported, of course, by the companies and individuals who partner with us for advertising, sponsorship, and support through our membership. So we appreciate all those great companies that do that. If you want to find the show notes for this episode, uh, go to smalltownhomestead.com forward slash 115. It's episode 115. And remember uh, what Abraham Lincoln said. He said, the greatest fine art of the future will be making a comfortable living from a small piece of land so take that from old abe old honest abe and live it out and uh thanks for joining me today folks and uh, happy homesteading and god bless
3: thanks for listening to see the show notes for this podcast or listen to other podcast episodes go to smalltownhomestead.com There, you can also read our blog, connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Google, and take advantage of the many resources we make available to help you along in your homesteading journey. Please share this podcast and help us to carry out our mission of helping others to homestead today for a better tomorrow.